0: Today I get to talk to you guys about a, um, a portion in the book of Romans, um, but before we dive in headfirst into, into scripture, I want to just give a little bit of a background, a little bit of context in which uh, some of the things that we're the reading, uh, that we're going to be doing in it. Uh, the book of Romans was believed to have been written uh, between the time of about 57 to 58 AD. Um, it was written to Christians at the church in Rome and for future um, Bible readers such as you and myself. Uh, Paul was in Corinth um, at this time. He was on his way to Israel to deliver a, um, uh, a collection for the poor in Jerusalem. And uh, Paul at this time was on his third missionary journey. And uh, so he was actually hoping to visit Rome after he would be done this mission trip to do a fourth mission trip to Spain. He wanted to uh, pass home. And so, uh, Apostle Paul was writing to a church that he had never visited. Okay? He had never been to Rome. When he writes to Corinth in the book of Corinthians and in Ephesus and those other places he had already been there he'd established contacts so he could be like hey Johnny thanks a lot for the pierogies and next time I'm hoping to get some pizza and we'll be good You know this was this was not like that he, he had never visited this church before uh, So it, it's interesting uh, reading this in context of that so you have to understand too so Apostle Paul was he was not making any assumptions with how much these people knew about the gospel of Jesus Christ Okay, he, he was going to cover the ground, he was going to lay the groundwork, and that's why many people see the book of Romans as uh, Paul's theological masterpiece. It's important that Rome had good theology, because Rome was the center of the world. The information, uh, once Rome bought into it, spreads like wildfire, so of course Rome was in the sights of Paul, Right? Just like many uh, an equivalent to that today would probably be New York, a lot of our fashion, a lot of the, the things that we do. Uh, some of it comes from Hollywood and Los Angeles, but a lot of it they see as New York being the center. When I visited the uh, Empire State Building uh, in June, they uh, uh, they had said that like when you walk in, it looks very majestic, the marble, the, the attention to detail, and the reason why is they believe that New York is the center of the universe, of, like, the world, but the Empire State Building, this is the center of the universe, okay? And in the same way, it's kind of like the way Rome is. And so Paul, Paul understands this. He's a Roman citizen. So in the first century, at this time, Rome had pretty much conquered the known world. It had a population of a million people in an area less than 10 square miles. Even back then, this is, this is unreal, uh, what they had done in the first century to create such an architectural marvel. The Roman Empire was one of the largest in history, and there was a Latin phrase used to describe it, imperium sine fine, which is translated, an empire without end. It expressed the ideology that neither time nor space limited this empire. So Rome is important. So to the, to the Romans in chapter 8, verse 37. If you have your Bibles, I would uh, encourage you to look into, uh, into the Bibles, into your Scripture. Um, we're going to have it up here too if you want to read along, if you didn't bring your Bible. In Romans chapter 8, 37, we read this. It says, No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. This is a very powerful statement to make, especially to Romans, because Romans conquered the, new, the known world. They all knew the famous quote by Julius Caesar that he made to the Senate in 46 B.C. after taking over a portion of Turkey. He said the famous words, Veni, vidi, vici. I came, I saw, I conquered. This is the mentality of, of, uh, of, of Rome. To conquer something means to overcome, defeat, subdue, gain or secure control over something by force. So when you say you have conquered something, you've mastered it. This is an extreme, extreme level of victory. Now, I've thought about this concept long and hard, and I've concluded that in my own life, I haven't really conquered anything, except for maybe a Donkey Kong game on Nintendo 64. But other than that, I can't really say I've conquered something. Um, To Roman, there is no greater achievement than to conquer something. Here, Apostle Paul had the audacity to make the claim that through God's love, we are considered more than conquerors. Now, allow that to sink in a little bit. This statement is actually is actually an answer to the question posed um, in verses 31 to 35 that are right before this. So before we put the cart in front of the horse, let's backtrack a little bit. Let's, let's jump into verse 30, uh, 31 to 35. Sorry, 36. This is what it says. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That is the key question. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, here he is. He's got the guts to quote the uh, Uh, The Old Testament, Psalm 34, 44, he quotes this. For the sake, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Okay, sheep, not the smartest animal in the world, you know, like they're just kind of completely helpless. They don't have sharp teeth. They can't take you out, like fighting a pillow, okay, okay? So, for uh, being killed all day long, regarded as sheep to be slaughtered, and amidst that, sorry, now I've got running pillows in my brain uh, off track here. Amidst that, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amidst this, being slaughtered all day long, being led, we are more than conquerors. I think that this scripture is very adequate in depicting the situations that our brothers and sisters in Christ, what they're experiencing right now in the Middle East, in Iraq and Syria and surrounding countries, as uh, ISIS is, um, as the Islamic State is just wreaking havoc on not just Christians, but especially Christians. Even if you're the wrong type of uh, Muslim, your life is in danger. They're fleeing for their lives. They're having to flee a country that they have occupied for thousands of years. We can't even comprehend what that would be like in our scenario. But for us in North America, we may not be facing immediate danger to our lives, but we are still at war. We are still facing our own obstacles. Whether it be death, broken marriages, diseases, cancer, Mental illness, like depression. Various addictions from alcoholism to pornography. And everything in between. And the list goes on. Our enemy is alive and well here in Leamington. And yet in our trying circumstance, whether we're being persecuted, fleeing for our lives, having loved ones executed, or whether we're fading somewhere, in a hospital bed bed in Hotel Dew or Leamington. We are still considered more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, if you're like me, you're going to take this truth, you're going to take this portion of Scripture, and you're going to file it somewhere in your head knowledge filing cabinet, and you'll be like, I believe that. Amen. I stamp that onto my identity. But when trials come around the corner, and it will, you will often find yourself trying to not be angry with God and question His love for you. I feel grossly inadequate to preach this sermon to you this morning. I'll be very honest with you. I uh, took an an assessment of my life, and I, I took a good hard look at who I am. I've been very blessed. Not only spiritually, but um, I've been blessed with good health. Um, I have a healthy family. And I have an incredible congregation that has overwhelmed me with your support. I've been very blessed. In many ways, I feel inadequate. It would almost make more sense to have someone up here preaching to you guys and be like, I have been through to the the gates of hell and back, and I have endured, and and I am more than a conqueror. So that would make more sense, but I'm standing here before you being incredibly blessed when out there there are people out there who could really drive this home. However, we have to come to the place where we believe that living like a conqueror is not just a theoretical model in scriptures. This is an attitude that is achievable by anyone who is daring enough to follow Jesus. And I've been blessed to have personally met people who have shown me what it looks like to live a life that is more than a conqueror. I want you to meet my friend Martin Penner. Martin Penner, um, I met when I went to Bible College at Steinbeck, in Steinbeck. Um, at SBC, I met him, and he, uh, he shared with me that he was diagnosed with a stage 4 cancer, uh, a tumor that was in a very awkward, inoperable location on his lungs. Um, the doctors told him he would only have a few months to live. And uh, and so then, <clears throat> when you receive information like that, you find yourself thinking a lot about life. What am I going to do with the little time that I have left? Martin took a good look at his life and decided, you know what, I want to go to Bible college. He decided to learn everything that he possibly could about the Savior that gave him salvation right before his physical body would perish. Now, you can't really tell it from the picture, but uh, Martin was, was crippled, and he had a very, very difficult time walking. Uh, I remember Martin giving his testimony in class. Um, he shared that his whole life, uh, he was constantly written off by people, you're just a cripple. Pretty much telling him, you will not really amount to anything. You can't run, you can barely make it to the door. It's so obvious However, in listening to him speak, with his passion and faith stories, you knew that he wasn't just crippled. He was an extraordinary individual who possessed an enormous amount of wisdom through the experience, through experiences that he had in life. So as a school, we prayed for Martin. We prayed for healing. We did all that. We watched him endure the discomfort and torture of the treatments as he was pushed through his biblical studies. When Martin was in your class, if he was to talk, you stopped what you were doing and you listened to what Martin had to say. One thing I noticed about Martin was that, though his body was at war with cancer, and he was enduring the torture of all the treatments that was making him sick all the time, watching his hair fall out, his skin turn different color, even though he clearly was a victim to his grim circumstance, he never talked like one. He never presented himself as a victim. He always spoke with courage, with confidence, and with hope. I looked at that, and I looked at my own life. When I get a cold, <laughs> I'm like a big baby, you know? And, uh, and here was a guy just enduring unspeakable obstacles physically, and he was speaking with such passion. Martin taught me something that no classroom could ever teach me, and no pastor could ever teach from a pulpit. He taught me what it looked like, to live more than a conqueror. He taught me what it looked like. He was the real deal. And uh, to give you a bit of an example, I'm going to um, show you guys uh, a bit of his um, uh, Facebook page. Um, You read uh, March 2nd, 2013, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives... All all fear is gone. And I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Wonderful song to wake up to this morning. Martin passed away eight, eight days later. You want to know what it looks like to live like a conqueror? That's what it looks like. Amidst all the hell he was going through. He pushed through, and he believed in faith. I know for a fact he struggled. We're humans, and we go through things. But he pushed through, and he lived like a conqueror. How many of us look for opportunities to complain about our circumstances? Circumstances that are often out of our control. What does your Facebook look like? You know, I looked at Martin's Facebook, and then I looked at some of ours. You would think that we were the ones that were dying, and he was the one that was living. Because I think that somewhere along the way, we give up. We buckle under the pressures of life, and we give in. We've left these words of Paul in the filing cabinet, in the back of our head knowledge, instead of inscribing it permanently in our hearts. you may ask, well, Pastor, how, how do we do that? How do we achieve this living like more than a victory? I think it starts with giving God control, letting Him work, And letting God love you. Let him intercede on your behalf. It's not what you can do, but it's what Christ can do in and through you. Don't put your identity in your suffering. That's the first thing we want to do. Don't put your identity in your sufferings and your shortfalls. Don't let your circumstances determine Who you are Don't let your circumstances Determine who you are You are so much more Than your pain So often we find ourselves Placing our identity In some of our hardships and our shortfalls We say stuff like Well I guess I'm just an alcoholic Well I guess I'm just not smart enough Well guess I'm a porn addict. Well, I guess I'm just a crippled. You are more than conquerors through him who loved you. Jesus died so that you could place that permanently on your identity. So many of us throw that away. What a shame. For some of you, it's going to be an attitude adjustment. For others, it may mean we may have to hash through some, some counseling sessions with professional counselors. But each and every single person in this room, in this sanctuary, have the ability to live more than a conqueror right here and right now. It's a decision that you yourself have to make. It's not a decision that your parents make for you. It's not a decision that your spouse can make for you. It's a decision that you have to make. I pray that if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that you would not waste another second, and that you would do that right now. I pray that as you do that, that you would not miss one more second of living in victory instead of living in sin. Live in the victory Jesus made with your name on it. The victory that cost him his life. And it's the truth that nothing that life, nothing that the enemy can throw at us, well, it can destroy us physically, but it can never take that love that Christ gave us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for the cross and for the victory that it brought us, Lord. I pray for those people right now in our congregation who are struggling, whether physically or mentally or in some other obstacle, God, that you that you in our circumstance that you remind us that our identity lies beyond our pain and that you in what you did on the cross have given us the right To consider ourselves more than conquerors in any circumstance. And God, I pray that that would bleed through our actions. Through the way we talk. Through the way we act. Whether it be from church to work to home, God. That we wouldn't just file it away somewhere in our head knowledge. But God, that we would make... That we would live out being more than conquerors. By the love that we share. uh, That we express to our non-Christian friends to our family members and everyone that we come in contact with, God. I pray that it would be by our love that people would know you, Lord. God, I just want to thank you so much for giving us these blessings, for giving us the the ability to stand here and openly preach your word because there's so many places in this world that do not have that luxury. Lord, we pray that you would do something seriously large in our life that we would live a life radical for you and that we, would, that we would just love on people the way you loved on us, God. We pray these things in your holy, awesome, beautiful name, Jesus Christ. Amen.